If someone steals your stuff, they don't also steal the intellectual property rights that go along with it. Well, that's probably true, but not necessarily when it comes to NFTs. And on today's podcast, we'll explain why this isn't so clear and what this all has to do with Dr. Evil's son. Give your father a hug. Hey, don't touch me. Hug. Hug. Get away from me, you lazy-eyed psycho. Hello. You're listening to On the Merits, the weekly legal news podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. So we've got a weird one for you today. It involves copyright law, NFTs, and yes, Seth Green, the actor who portrayed Scott Evil in the Austin Powers film franchise. Of all three of those things, probably the one that requires the most explanation for our listeners is the idea of an NFT. So for the uninitiated, an NFT or non-fungible token is a new type of digital asset that functions kind of like a certificate of authenticity. It can be tied to an artwork, a baseball card, or really anything. But because it's totally unique and stored in the blockchain, an NFT can be bought and sold. And boy, have they been bought and sold. The market for NFTs exploded in the last few years, and some of the most popular have been these weird computer-generated images of what look like cartoon chimpanzees dressed in silly outfits. They're called Bored Apes, and the actor Seth Green wanted to buy one of these apes, and the NFT attached to it, of course, and turn it into a TV show. That's where things got weird. Actually, things probably got weird a few sentences ago, but that's not the point. Earlier this year, a hacker stole Green's NFT... And then it wasn't clear that he actually still controlled the IP associated with this bored ape. If you're confused, don't worry. Rithi Seti is here to explain everything. She's a reporter with Bloomberg Law, and I got her into the studio to explain to me why this case has enthralled IP attorneys and to explain how this all got started. So he bought an NFT from an organization called Yuga Labs, which has the Bored Apes Yacht Club. So he bought an NFT of an ape. His ape is named Fred Simeon. Um, and he was starting a show for it with his NFT, Fred Simeon, as well as other NFTs that he owns called White Horse Tavern. Okay, that's a lot. So he bought this. It, it's a it's like a painting or is it like a digital piece of art? It's a, it's a drawing or something of a, an ape? Yes. So he owns a digital piece of art of an ape. And he wanted to take this ape and, and turn it into, you know, a, a TV show. Uh, his plans were thwarted, though, when it got stolen. How did it get stolen? He was a victim of a phishing attack. So Fred Simeon, along with a couple other of his NFTs, were stolen from him. And this is where, you know, someone sends you an email saying, like, hey, uh, click on this link to win a million dollars. And you click on it, and it turns out they're hackers. Right, exactly. Ouch. Um the reason why we're even talking about this, though, I mean, you, we don't usually talk about NFTs and board apes and, and Seth Green on this podcast. The reason why we're talking about it is because the Yugo Labs, which made these uh, sort of board ape uh, NFTs, have very unusual terms of service. And those terms of service involve the IP here. Uh, tell me about that. How, why is this different than, than way, the way it usually is? Sure. So Ugolab's terms and conditions are a little unconventional. Usually when you buy an NFT, it's sort of like buying a painting. You don't own the right to create the painting. You don't own the right to do anything with the painting. You just have a painting in your house. Um, similarly, you own the digital art. You can use it as a profile picture and you can say you own it, but that's about it. Right. Like if I buy an Andy Warhol painting, I can't make a TV show about Campbell's soup cans. Right. Like I don't own... <laughs> That's for a number of reasons. One, because Andy Warhol owns the IP there. Two, because Campbell's Soup Company also has some stake in the game. But 
Yeah, like that's that's not how paintings work. Why is it how this works? Yeah, so Yugo Lapis is trying something new here where they're not necessarily giving you the copyright because they don't say they're giving you the copyright, but they are saying that they give you licensing rights to the NFT that you own. So Seth Green has the right to personally use it in his licensing capacity, but he also can use it commercially like he's doing with White Horse Tavern and Fred Simeon. So that's why things are a little odd here. And that's why, you know, when he doesn't have possession of this digital file anymore, it's unclear if he still has the copyright. Is that what's going on? Right. So the contract is silent when it comes to theft. So no one really knows what happens to the ape once it's stolen, because you're basically given the NFT and you're given the rights to the NFT through the purchase of the NFT. But the, the actual contract didn't say anything about what would happen if it was stolen. Right. Whoops. And, um, you know, that's why lawyers are important. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So let's talk about the legal theories here, though, because you spoke with a number of IP attorneys and they said that even though Seth Green no longer has the digital, although we'll get to that actually in a second, there's been an update. But even though Seth Green lost possession of the NFT, he may still be able to go to a court and reassert his copyright claims. Uh, Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So there's a couple different ways that attorneys theorized he could do this. Given it's new material, this is all very theoretical for them as well. But one of the things that someone told me is that they believe because Green might believe that he has the right to his NFT and he has the right to maintain it even after it's stolen, that could be a valid argument, just what he thinks going in, because there's so little law regarding NFTs and theft of NFTs to begin with. Another person told me that the New York law states that whoever owns it continues to have it even after it's stolen and given to a different good faith buyer because it was never theirs to buy in the first place because the person who stole it doesn't have the authority to sell it. And that's under New York property law. And OpenSea, which is the area where NFTs are bought, sold, the sort of digital trading marketplace, is based on New York law. And when you are buying something on OpenSea, you're agreeing to have that be under New York law. So he could really, theoretically, he could have gone to court and said, you know, hey, even though I don't have this digital file anymore, you know, it was stolen from me, therefore I still own possession of this and I can still make my TV show. Right. So that's what a lot of attorneys think that might be possible. There are a couple others that think that, no, that's not right and you can't use New York property law. But for the most part, they think hypothetically that could work. Well, let's get more into the ones who who don't think that. I mean, why why is it that, you know, if if something is stolen from you, you should still own it until if in, you know, as long as you uh, purchased it legally. What why wouldn't that work? I think a large part of it is just the lack of knowledge of this area. Um, no one knows what happens when an NFT, an NFT is stolen because the contract doesn't say anything about it. And so when the contract says that you possess it, you own it, it could mean a number of things. Uh, We said it before. We said it again. Uh, Lawyers are important. Contracts are important. Um, But let's uh, bring in the update here because, you know, Seth Green ultimately didn't do that. He didn't go to court. Uh, What he did was he paid a ransom uh, to someone who had the NFT. And we should say the person that he paid the ransom to says they're not the ones that stole it. They acquired it legally and in good faith. They did not realize it was stolen. That's what they say. Um, so does that mean this whole thing is resolved now that he's got this 
NFT. He's got this board ape, Fred Simeon. He's got it back. Uh, does he now have it free and clear? For Seth Green, yes, because he paid the money to have it back. So he paid originally to buy it and then again to repurchase it from the person that now had it. So he's in the clear to continue production on his show, which was halted because people were unsure about how the rights of the NFT would proceed. For the IP issue at large, no, because that this sort of skirts the question instead of answering it. A lot of people were curious to see how this would play out, and I think a lot of attorneys were hoping this would go to court because they wanted to see what the verdict would be and what sort of a judge would decide who owns the NFT, if a good faith purchaser is allowed to keep it, if the person who originally bought it is allowed to keep it when it was stolen. This doesn't answer that question. This just sort of avoids it entirely. The other thing, I mean, and I hope this doesn't happen, but now it's pretty, the world knows that Seth Green is willing to pay a ransom for Fred Simeon. So uh, if it gets stolen again, you know, it seems like he'd have to pay pay this again, right? Unless he was willing to go to court, yeah. Unless he was willing to, you know, do the hard, yeah, do the hard work and, and lawyer up. Um, but of course, we're not just talking about Seth Green. We're not just talking about Fred Simeon. Um, we're talking about the IP issues here and, you know, these sort of novel issues. So let's take a step back and look at this from a 30,000 foot point of view. Is the reason why there are so many novel legal issues here just because of this weird licensing agreement from Yugo Labs and, and the way this worked? Or is, is there a whole new era of IP law due to NFTs? In other words, is this a bad contract or is this NFTs changing the way we think about IP law? I think it's both. I've heard a lot of attorneys say that this contract is very very poorly drawn out. There's not a lot of clear-cut answers, whether you own the copyright, whether the licensing is exclusive, because it doesn't explicitly mention any of those things, let alone what happens if someone steals it. But also, this is an avenue where IP is expanding, and there's a lot of interesting issues that are arising with NFTs. And this brings up a number of issues that are similar in the NFT space, like the Meta Birkin case, where an NFT was created of a Birkin bag, and I think there are several of these NFTs, a certain amount limited, they're being sold, but they weren't created by the creators of the Birkin bag. So the NFT is created by a different digital creator, and Birkin is suing them because it's a visual image of a Birkin bag. So there's definitely more here, and I think there will continue to be more here, and I think NFTs are just an indication of sort of the digital metaverse that IP is expanding into. All right. Well, uh, the next time an NFT gets stolen, we'll have you uh, back on to talk about it. That was Rithi Seti uh, talking with us about NFTs, theft, and Seth Green. Thank you. That'll do it for today's episode of On the Merits. It was produced by myself, David Schultz. Our editor is Andrew Satter, and our executive producer is Josh Block. Reach out to us on Twitter if you have anything on your mind. We use the handle at BLaw. I'm at David B. Schultz. That's B as in what else? Ford Ape. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Those nine justices in Washington can be hard to keep track of. That's where we come in. On our podcast, Cases and Controversies, we give you a week-by-week accounting of the Supreme Court, the filings, the arguments, the opinions, and much, much more. Check in on Fridays with Bloomberg Law's Cases and Controversies to find out what's coming up on the horizon of the Supreme Court. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.